Welcome to Fear Less, an audio series designed to help you take action towards letting go of your eating disorder. My name is Jessica Flint, and I'll be your guide to helping you embody the recovered version of yourself. Like every human being ever to walk this planet, you and I are not immune to fear. It is biologically programmed into our brains. At the same time, I'm committed to not letting fear control my destiny and want you to have the same freedom. Every time we choose courage over fear, we grow stronger and receive what we desire most in regards to our recovery, our health, love, wealth, and impact in the world. In order to fully let go of your eating disorder and whatever is holding you back in life, you need to learn how to alchemize fear into courage. So let's lock arms and do this work together. Welcome back, my warrior loves. Today, we're going to talk about throwing out the long list of shoulds and really embrace what your heart deeply desires in this year ahead. And this is a topic that is timely as we enter into 2024. And my little motto right now is I'm going to leave it all on the floor in 2024. And that means really allowing my heart to lead and not, once again, just all these things that we should be doing or that we have thought that we've had to do year after year and allowing that to, to just that script to go. And I'm excited to just dig into this topic today with my co-host, Andrea Wells. She is the host of Recover Strong and a valued member of Recovery Warriors team. And I just love connecting with her. And it's been a while that we have been together here on the show. So Andrea, welcome. So happy to have you here. Thank you. I've missed doing this. I'm glad to be back. And I just had a little reality check there when you said it was 2024. Oh my God, I'm not ready. <laughs> It's so soon. I am ready, but I'm like, oh my God, what is time? I can't believe it. Happy New Year. (laughs) I know it passes so fast. And that's really like at the heart of this is recognizing that we only have so many years in our life. And I think, you know, the older I get, the more I realize that because you kind of think, oh, I have all this time in the world. And then you're like, actually, like, I don't. (laughs) I actually have a finite amount of time. And how do I want to spend it? How do I want to live it? What are the patterns do I want to be controlling me or where do I want to find freedom and ultimately, you know, the highest expression of what my soul wants to do in this life? What do I want to do? And I I don't know if we stop enough to really say that. Like what do I want to do? Not from like a selfish place, but literally like what do I want? Not what I should do, but like what do I want? Have you like had any experiences around filtering through your shoulds when you think about the year ahead or really tying into like, what are your wants? Like, what are your desires? Yeah. Um, this is something that I feel in a pretty good place in actually. I'm like, when I try and think of things that I feel like I should be doing, I mean, that's something I've struggled with a lot in years past and I've had to work through, but I'm just like, I'm at a place where I don't really believe I should do anything except live the best life I can, be kind to others, live life for me. And again, that's not selfish because the best way you can be there for other people is to be there for yourself. And I'm I'm just trying to think, I don't know if I'm being plagued by any shoulds at this time. I think maybe there's still some fears, of course. There's things I want to do. Not that I think I should do, but I, I want to do that. Maybe there's some fear around that I'm working through and feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And I've shared that here on Fearless on previous episodes. 
Um, let me let me let me think on that. I'm there. I'm sure there's a shit in there somewhere. I'm only human. Um, but let me let me think on that. I'll get back <laughs> to you if something comes up. <laughs> well, you know what? You really are such a badass because you like when you're saying that. I'm like, I I believe you because oh. <laughs> I see that's how you. I you know because we've been you know close team members for over a year and plus, and I've gotten to know you, and I've seen that is like the new way that you live your life more than, as you said in the past, which I didn't really know you then. And even just how you set boundaries. Guys, Andrea's so good at setting boundaries. And like in a way where I'm like, I admire you and she does it scared. Like you can tell she's doing it scared. Like in a way, like she's not always setting the boundary in a way where it's like, you know, like super bulletproof, but you're just like, you advocate for yourself, which shows it's what you what you want. And even to kind of tie in an exact example of this is we were in one meeting and I was like, we're going to do live. Like we're going to record the show live because we noticed we were filtering through how like time intensive all the shows are and the resources that we allocate to produce one show, you know, and I was starting to see like, wow, we spent a lot of time in post-production doing edits on things that we trail off and, and you know say ums <laughs> or just things that we end up falling back on editing because we're like, we can just edit it out. And I was like, well, if we go live, that means we're not going to have that. Like we literally have to be on. We have to be doing it. And so I come in with like this, this idea and I was really fired up. Andrea, I was excited about it. I was like, this is what we're doing. We're new alive. I love it. And you at first were like, no, I don't want to do that. Give me some time to think about it. And, and you know, I'm like the boss. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I loved it because I absolutely loved it that you were like, I don't feel comfortable doing this. And I need, you know, I don't want to make this decision right away. And uh, Andrea gave it some time and we were looking at... We worked through it. We talked about it. We talked about it. We like, we, we sussed it out. And uh, just so you guys know, we're live right now. And uh, we're doing it. It's yeah. we're going to be able to get shows out faster. I'm not saying every show is going to be live, but Andrea was willing to do it with me leading the way. And uh, I'm just loved how you set that boundary and how you worked through the fear and how we're doing this now. It's just such a good example. Thank you. Yeah, we were really coming at it from opposite points, I think, when the point was first brought up. I mean, I totally understand your reasoning. It is going to help us be better presenters. It'll limit our post-production time and help us just, you know, run the business better and make content. Um, but I appreciate you giving me time. And yes, I did have to set a boundary. And yes, I did feel a little guilty about it. But boundaries are one of those things where it's like, you know, I always say feel the fear and do it anyway. Sometimes with boundaries, feel the guilt and do it anyway. Um, so I appreciate you being respectful of that. And I'm glad we were able to compromise and meet in the middle. And thank you for giving me the time to process it. I think I, I needed that. And I'm here. It's, it's an experiment. I'm excited to be doing this live. Well, the thing about boundaries is it actually, like we think that people are going to be upset with us or they're going to have some reaction that we're afraid of. But like, I respected you more for setting that boundary. Cause thank you. <laughs> there was, you know, and like I, we, yeah, we got to work through it. We got to like, well, what's underneath that? And like, how can we work together then? Because I really want to do this. And like, <laughs> you don't at that moment. And so we were able to kind of find that middle ground, which was, isn't that like the name of your blog that you wrote for Eating Disorder Recovery, oh, The Middle Path or The Middle Way? Yeah, I used to have a blog. <laughs> it was called Finding the Middle Ground. Yes. <laughs> Finding the Middle Ground. Yeah, I love that. So 
in this year ahead, we we're kind of looking at this list of shoulds because when we have shoulds, it really is this idea that you you have to do this, which I think inside that means that we can end up creating all of these things that we're doing that aren't for ourselves. And then we end up feeling as we get to the end of the year or however a lot into our life and be like, I didn't even really want to do that. Like that wasn't truly what I, I, or I really wanted to do this, but I always let other things pile on on top of it. And, you know, when I'll get around to that when I have time, but as you said, like time, what is time? I think that's like, what is time? Like time literally like, like that was my existential OCD coming on. <laughs> yeah. Like what is it? Like it really does feel like it just slips through our fingers and like we can create time in a sense by the way we manage our time. So if we're mindlessly spending time, then we feel like it's just this cheap resource and we don't value it. But then when we start to really value it, we can look at like, well, what do I want to make change in my life in order to make the most out of the time I have without feeling scarcity? Like, I don't have enough time, but like, how can I fit things in? It's almost like a Tetris kind of yeah. puzzle and like making sure that you're being logistical with how you how you structure your life. Um, are there any things for you, Andrea, when you look at this year ahead on how you want to make the most of your time or really reflecting, you know, we're getting to 2025 or mm-hmm. imagine you were a year ahead and like, what would you like to have been prioritizing in your life? What would you have liked to had been a major mm. focal point? That's a great question. Um, a couple things come to mind. I think a big one is just, I mean, you know, community is a big value of mine. And I think continuing to lean into community and the relationships I have, that's one of the top things I have that makes my life worth living. So I'm going to continue making time for that. And also, I'm ready to circle back on a should that I have. And I think this also ties into the question you asked me now. I thought of something. Um, I feel like I should have a cleaner house or tidy more. And that also ties into how I spend my time. I don't have a terribly messy house. I think... um, you know, I, I keep on top of it. And sometimes it gets a little, a little untidy. Um, and part of me is like, you know, there's two people and a cat living in this house. It's going to get untidy. Um, and then I'm like, I have these moments and I'm sure a lot of people can relate where I'm like, do I want to spend 20 minutes cleaning right now? Or do I want to spend 20 minutes chilling? I want to rest. Like <laughs> I've had a busy day. Um, and so I find, I, sometimes I feel like, oh, I should be cleaning more or I should have a cleaner house, but it's not like it's, and I think I'm being a little hard on myself. I think it's it's fine. It's it, it's lived in. We're I have this idea where I'm like I want my house to look like no one lives here. Like minimal things, nothing scattered around, no signs of anything. And that's pretty unrealistic to maintain because people do live here. So maybe I just want to be easier with myself on that. And that does come to like deciding how you prioritize how you spend your time because sometimes I, I have moments where I'm like. What's more important right now? My rest or, you know, cleaning up the counter? (laughs) What's going to be more important? And it depends on the moment and I take it moment by moment. Um, But it really is like, you know, like a a fine, talking about a Tetris puzzle. I'm thinking like also like a Jenga tower, like it's a fine balance and you have to manage your priorities. Um, But I just feel Mm. like it's, it's an ongoing thing for me, how I, how I manage, how I want to spend my time. And I think it's just to continue taking it day by day, one step at a time, continuing to heal, continuing to focus on, you know, working with body image, no CD recovery, 
spending time with friends and family, whether that's virtually or in person, I, you know, connection is connection to me no matter what. Um, that's, that's what I want for the year ahead. And continuing to work and grow as, as host here on this, that, you know, my professional development is really important to me as well. I love that. I like the image of a Jenga. I was seeing people at the coffee shop the other day play with like one of those giant Jengas oh, yeah. <laughs> where it's like life-size Jenga. And it was so cool because it really represents, like, I feel like that is like your foundation is so important. Like if you go to start taking the pieces out from the very bottom, which rest is a foundational aspect mm-hmm. of being like well adjusted so you can take on whatever comes your way. Like you, we need to prioritize rest and care and just these basic needs. And so when we like start to look at our foundation, how do we keep that strong in the year ahead? Because those shoulds can start to add up and like they can just compound. And if you have trouble setting boundaries, that's why I do think boundaries is important because then you will start putting all these other things onto your proverbial plate and saying like, I have to do this, I have to do this. And these people expect this of me and they want this from me. And it's starting to recognize, well, do you actually like have to do all that? Like, can you set a boundary? Can you say, you know what, this is more important to me in my life development and like what my, you know, when I get to the end of my life, what do I want to say I was able to experience? And I'm less about achievements now. I'm more about experiences and like how, how that can manifest as an achievement because you're doing it and it, it can lead to that. But I feel like when we just focus on an achievement, it always falls short. Like even back in the day when you're dieting and the achievement was certain weight loss goals and things, it like it never felt satisfying. Like once you got there, because then you're like, oh my god, I have to stay here. And like I, you know, it's or you just, just like, move it, the goalpost again. It would always be something. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, let me get one more down, and yeah. then <laughs> and then oh, I got up again, and now I'm a failure. So it's just like instead of just being the experience of like I want to work on connecting with my body. I want to work on listening to my body, repairing yeah. the relationship with my body. That's an experience that will take you very far in life as opposed to a specific goal that you're attached to. Yeah. I feel the same way. Experiences are the, to me the achievement is living my best life and it's not anything societal that I'm trying to adhere to anymore. I mean, I certainly have before. I, I struggled with like overworking and perfectionism and putting my value in spending all my time working two or three jobs and working all these extra hours and feeling like that's what I should do to be good, to be extraordinary. And of course, you know, weight and weight loss and dieting and struggling with that roller coaster. And it's all just like, it, uh, what is the achievement if it's hurting your mental health if it's leaving you hollow and empty there, there that's there's no achievement there the achievement is taking care of yourself mm-hmm. and just living your best life being good to yourself and to others that's that's how i define a an achievement in my life these days yeah i would say mine is much more rooted towards like creativity and just like being my full authentic self mm-hmm. like that to me is an achievement to be like who i am and we are really indoctrinated so early to hide <laughs> parts of ourselves because they are not societally acceptable or they could be deemed weird or whatever it is. It just becomes this thing that you feel like I can't be my full self because if I am, I'm going to be rejected or seen as different or not wanted. And this this journey into authenticity and like ownership of what I do want or what I want to express without letting 
the judgments of others or even like what happens to it be attached to any thing. So I'll, I'll share what my big like all on the floor in 2024 is. <laughs> Leave it all on the floor. I remember that was like my thing when I played sports. I was so passionate. Like I'm just a really passionate person. I, I recognize that. Like I yeah, I'm just are, like yeah. oozing in passion. And and that's a great thing. Yeah. Like just yeah. get me excited about like this new pen. Like and I will just like be so passionate about a pen. Like I just can get passionate about like a lot. I like I do I have so much just passionate energy. And which, you know, tied to romance, that, but whatever. That's why I'm like, I just want to recognize that. Like, that passion is mine. Like, it doesn't even have to be attached to anything other than just like, I love this passion. And I have like started to recognize that I'm, I'm passionate about this, like, writing a book, or I'm scared of writing a book, essentially. And that's what I, oh, no, here. We're live. So by the way, this is like me having a brain fart because I like stopped my sentence here. Okay. No, I was saying it's passionate. It was with with volleyball. I was very passionate with volleyball. And like there would be like my other team members who were like just doing a extracurricular activity. And then there was me who was like, I'm like so into this right now. And like it means everything to me because I'm so passionate about it. So I would always, after going through games, I would just leave everything on the floor. And that was like always the way I, I love to play a game. Like I would just go out there and just give it my all, give it my heart. And like, here it is. And if I lost, I lost. If I won, I won. But it was just the whole, what mattered to me was how I played the game, was mm. how much energy and just passion and love. I didn't care what the end result was. Of course, I would be upset if I lost, but it would kind of work through me pretty fast because I knew I gave it my all. Yeah. And that was an important piece is just, so this year, I really want to adopt that same mentality that I brought to sports because it really did help me grow as an athlete and just being able to say, okay, all on the floor in 2024, just my heart, whatever like is in there, I want it to come out and I want to experience it. And I don't want to be held back by anything that could be a fear-based you know, reason, which in my case, I wanted to write this book. I wanted to write a book for a while. And the way I can tell like when I'm doing an unsaid desire or when I'm not letting a desire have its its true expression is when I start to notice myself be a little envious of others. I don't get like major envy around this, but just enough to be like, geez, like she gets to write a book. Like I wish I could get to write a book or I'm like really into them. I'm like, you get to write a book. Like that's so cool. And when you start to notice like what you admire in somebody or what you feel like they have that you don't have and you wish you could have it. And for me, it has been being an author. And I just haven't prioritized that ever because here I am running Recovery Warriors, helping people recover from eating disorders. And one day I'll be able to write a book. One day I'll be able to write a book. And my whole schedule does not create any room for me to write a book. And then I always put it off and put it off in that distant future when I'll write a book. And it's like, girl, you got to write a book like now, like you have to do this because if you don't, it will always be something that will be in the future, always be when I have the time. And making the boundaries within my own self to be able to say, okay, this is what I'm going to cut out of my life in terms of time. This is how I'm going to change my life around so I can actually make this happen. Uh, this is how I'm going to be more disciplined with my own self around actually writing when I say I'm going to write. And that's just been like, the scariest thing for me to open up to in this next year. And also just like writing a book, like when you get to the end, are people going to read it? Like all of that comes in and I'm just like, you know what? Don't even worry about that. 
Yeah. Like you would play that volleyball game with your whole heart if there's no one in the stands. Like all you need is just to like love the moment, love the experience, love the creative expression that flows through you. The flow state, like in sports, I'd go through flow state. And like mm. I'm hoping like with writing, I can find my own flow state and just experience it and see what's on the other side of it. Like it could be a really badass book. Could be. Or could just be a really fun experience. <laughs> Definitely that, I'm sure. <laughs> Who knows? I, I will read it. I will read your book. You got at least one reader. Well, uh, you going to ask me about my book, Andrea? Yeah. Tell me about your book. <laughs> <laughs> or I could just go on. I already book. know. I like- tell, tell the listener. But I, w- I want to hear more about it. The listeners need to know about the book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so this is why it's a bit scarier. Is It's, a, it's actually a romance novel. It's a, a fantasy fiction and it's based on a story of a, a vampire named Charlie, who is a chronically depressed vampire. And he is, there's a whole kind of long storyline to it, but he is in love with a woman named Scarlet Rose. And it's, it's kind of, uh, it, is, it has some biographical components where I'm doing more depth psychology analysis of my caregivers and like a lot of the early experiences and imprinting and, and things that I've been working through throughout my whole life. So it has a lot of like depth psychology woven into it. And essentially, Charlie, like the very beginning, Charlie is going to go vacation in hell because vampires, they go (laughs) have vacation in hell. It's like the Vegas for vampires. It's not like all the way deep into hell, but just like at the first layer of hell, like the gates of hell. That's where they hang out. And so Charlie was going to go go to Vegas hell and vacation in hell. (laughs) And he gets sent on the wrong plane. And he gets transported to heaven. And so Charlie is now in heaven. Now heaven is so welcoming and heaven just lets Charlie into the gates of heaven because they feel like he belongs here because he's he's meant to be here. He's here. And when a, a new person comes into heaven, they get assigned a human. They become a guardian angel. So Charlie gets assigned Scarlet Rose. And that is essentially like I'm kind of she, Scarlet Rose is a lot of me, and he ends up uh, getting becoming my guardian vampire angel. And so, guardian vampire vampire angels, if they exist, <laughs> guardian angels can be assigned to a human just randomly. You don't have to get them at birth. You can have your birth angel that gets assigned to you, and then you can have these other angels that come in in moments where you really need extra spiritual support. And so, Charlie got you know sent down to to Earth to be my guardian vampire angel. And the whole kind of storyline then becomes where he, he like is deeply infatuated with me, but then does all this sabotaging of like my relationships because he wants to possess me. Like vampires are very all about wanting to uh, that seduction and really wanting to make sure that they have ownership of of their of their prey of their beloved. Uh, so it ends up being a, a story that's going to dive into romance, dive into codependency, into mental health issues. Uh, Charlie does get an eating disorder in the book in COVID. Uh, So I've really been working on this storyline for about five years now. And it's just scary because I actually don't really read fiction novels. I am totally a nonfiction girl because I've always been on that like pursuit of personal growth and like development. And You are a storyteller. You're a storyteller, and I think it's going to be good. You've already got such like a the, the lore's there. You've got the world building. Like I can picture it in my head. I'm excited to see how it how it ends up. Me too. I'm I'm nervous, but I'm like so excited. You can tell I'm just really yeah filled up 
with joy and I feel on like it. And when you're like, oh, like, I, I can't write a book. You're like, think that you shouldn't or that's not for you. I'm like, girl, you know how many people are, are probably envious of you thinking like, I can't have a podcast. You're doing it. You're, you're doing things that people are envious of. And I know that you can do this. And it's just how are you going to arrange that, that Jenga tower with your time and your priorities, right? I love that. Yeah, just do it. Like that's yeah. what I tell someone to do a podcast. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, face the fear. Just do it. Figure it. Figure it out. Like it's not that hard. There's YouTube videos. Like I'm sure there's people who can teach me about writing nonfiction. Yeah, um, or fiction. I mean, like and I'm proud with- of myself for not doing nonfiction. Yeah, I d- I just feel like that could be something. Like I've had a lot of people say you should write a book and like you would get a publisher because you have this company and then you can just write a book about eating disorders and it's like. That that's an example of a should. I could do that. I yeah. could totally do that. I could get a publisher who would be interested in my story of my. But I'm like, I want to write about a chronically depressed vampire who's obsessed with Scarlet Rose, who does get an eating disorder during COVID, because because the whole thing is like blood. He like gets a fear of feeding during mm-hmm. COVID because he like doesn't know like what blood source is going to be tainted or not because he kept getting sick from the blood. Anyways, then he started going clean eating and trying to like only eat mm-hmm. clean blood, and then it just got really messy. So Charlie is like an orthorexic vampire and there's a lot of eating disorder healing that will come in through his character because he he does have to like resolve his his fear of feeding. Um and ultimately, yeah. So I feel like it is a it's a random idea, but I'm just going to go for it and be totally okay with writing a fiction novel, like feeling like I'm on training wheels because I actually have no idea. I don't even, once again, read fiction novels. Like, I Yeah, but you've been working on this for years. You've been, you've been building this. Like you, I, I, I think I have a lot of faith in you. I think it's going to turn out really well. And I think you're a natural storyteller, nonfiction and fiction. I think this will, you, you're going to shine in this. I'm already, I'm already hooked into the story. <laughs> Thank you. Andrea is very supportive. Uh, I like the Jenga thing too, though. Cheerleader. Really is about yeah. like <laughs> yeah. I'm like I I need you, Andrew. Actually, because <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing? Uh, but yeah, it is then starting to say like, what's the most important thing in my life right now? And I'm starting to rank my book as the most important thing in my life right now. Meaning, you know, well, there's you know other things that are <laughs> like in terms of like how I look at it, I'm crafting my day, crafting my week. Instead of being like, I'll do everything and then book will fit in. It's like, how do I fit book in first, then make sure everything else revolves around that. And that's just a thing you can, for any listener, like whatever you're wanting to focus on this year, even your recovery, like how do you make that your priority and other things fall around that? You can start to see that those other things will still get accomplished and done except you really allowing yourself to to go after what what fuels your heart what what you truly want to do what you want to focus on yeah priorities it's all about priorities and what you want to make time for there's a really cool youtube video that i saw a demonstration i'll i'll explain it uh, just through words but if you can actually watch it visually it really helps you understand this concept of prioritizing something and it's where this person has three different uh, cylinders containing pebbles, sand, and like boulders. So there's like each cylinder has uh, a different amount of sand, pebbles, and boulders. And then he has this one big cylinder, cylinder like um, how would you say, like a thing that you put like it in? It's a cylinder. It's a cylinder, like a vase. Yeah, like okay. a cylindric vase. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I've seen this. It sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, it's so powerful. Yeah, we, we'll put it in the show notes, actually, to link out to to this YouTube video. There's a few on online. 
And he ends up first putting in all of the the sand first into this cylindric vase. And then he puts in the pebbles. And then when he comes time for the boulders, there's absolutely like no room for the boulders. It doesn't fit. There's a space issue. And then the second time he does the same thing, same amount of boulders and sand and pebbles. And first he puts in the boulders into the cylindric vase. Then he takes the pebbles and puts them in. And as he starts to do that, the pebbles start to filter in and find the little voids, the little spaces where there's empty space and they start to fall in there. And so all of a sudden, the accommodation space, it it never increased because it was the same volume, but just the way he ordered it, it starts to come in more and make room for it. And then he puts the sand in and the sand, once again, filters down, falls into the empty void spaces. And there's actually room left over at the top now, meaning that when we prioritize the boulders in our life, the things that are really the most important, like when I die, I definitely want to say, yes, I wrote Hungry for Love, the Chronicles of the Chronically Depressed Vampire. Like I want to say that that was something I birthed out of me and I did it passionately and I loved it. I don't even know what's going to come, but like I did it, right? I wouldn't want to say I died with a book inside of me. Like, yeah. that would suck. <clears throat> or have that and to be so, one of your regrets, wishing you did that. And it's yeah, too late. And- I wish I did that because I did all these other things that I thought I had to do. And yeah. and so, and that like, who knows any, that I wasn't facing any fear of like stepping outside of my comfort zone. And so that's the pebble. Those are the rocks. Those are the big rocks. And then the pebbles, these are like the little... Like these are the little things that we are like are important in our life that we 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 want to be doing. And then the sand, the sand is all the little scrolling for 15 minutes on Instagram. Like you don't get that time back. That when I die, I'm not gonna give a flying boop about any of that stuff I saw on Instagram. Literally. That is not gonna be at all flashing before my eyes. Instagram, <laughs> that person I never knew, that person, you know, like that was selling me something. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. Like, no. Like, okay, if you funny, yes, there's funny. I do love the memes and the funny things on, on Instagram, but the laughter, yeah. But what I'm saying is like that is the stuff that we end up putting, like that we let just occupy our space and our time. And that's the sand. And if we let that come first. We will have no room for the boulders. We will have no room for the the rocks, like the actual important things that are in, important in our life and what we actually want to experience. So, have you found that, Andrea? Anything like where you've noticed the shift in like your priorities around your rocks, things that are very important in your life versus the sand and the pebbles? Yeah, I think I've seen that video. <laughs> it sounds very familiar. Um, yeah, we'll link it up. You have to watch it, listener. If you have yeah. not watched this, you really have to watch it because I'm not. T- I'm like talking about like an like it messes with your mind. You're like, oh my god, that's the exact same amount. It's so true. Yeah. When I focus on these small things, I have no room for big things in my life. Yeah, I mean that's something I, I've just had to learn that with with self care. And we're talking about the foundation of the of the Jenga tower or the foundation of this vase like the boulders the big things the foundation at the bottom um that's something that is been essential to healing from an eating disorder from OCD and just from everything that I'm healing from um it, I think it's yeah it's a simple part of self-care and once you have a strong foundation and I've learned that because I do like I mentioned earlier I have these moments of am I going to 
tidy up a little bit or am I going to rest? And sometimes I, I know it's best for me to pick the rest. And then it, that way, then I'm, I'm better off in the long run to have that little bit of tidying come in when I feel better. Otherwise, if I try and push myself, I might stop, stop, I stop and start cleaning a lot, which is, is fine. Um, but it, it might take longer <laughs> or then I feel even more burnt out and I'm going to put off other things that I want to take care of. So having that strong foundation first and foremost, it really, it sets you up for, for the smaller things. And you really, it doesn't logically make sense, but I, I get it. I've lived it. You can actually do more that way when you take it one small step at a time, putting your rest and your self-care first, prioritizing your needs first. That is what helps you get more done in the end rather than trying to do it all at once, shoving it all in there, not prioritizing, trying to be super, superwoman, superhero, do it all. That doesn't really usually pay off in the long run. Yeah, it really is. So like the wisest investment is in in your self-care and yeah. in your and being able to give yourself, I mean, because we, you know, we've said this on the show and this is a phrase that gets passed around a lot. Like you can't serve from an empty cup. And like, I haven't, for so many years, I, I think I like got that on like a, a intellectual level, you know, and I'd like say it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I like understood it and I, I knew it to be true because, but like there's true as in like truth that you know, because others say it and you can understand it and intellectualize it. And then there's truth from like the core of your being. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, I would try to serve from this like decimated, like dry, desiccated crucible and be like, how can I serve more and feel so worn thin because of it and just empty too, because I wasn't filling myself with w- what I needed. Yeah. And getting that that self-care, I think, is ultimately what brings that. And it's different for everybody, what their self-care is, like how they really feel nurtured and and replenished and restored. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And like going back to that idea with the sand being what's not really uh, important in this life, in the grand scheme of things, I want to tie in with eating disorders as well, because I recognize this in other addictions or any other type of, you know, like any other mental health thing where you can feel like your thoughts are are obsessive and and much stronger and uh, uncontrollable in some ways. And you're just like burdened by this constant thoughts that really is the, the sand. And I'm not trying, I, I don't want to like diminish the experience of like working with the entirety of the experience of a mental health issue and working through it. But when you start to realize that all those little like moments that get invested in these thoughts, that's sand, like that's not really. And so when I've been able to help people the most is when I, when they really start to focus more on the boulders, on the big things in life, because it does help you get out of just that just thinking that really is not going anywhere. It's it's these thoughts are just things that like come up and then you feed off of them and you let them like merit like take over and have a life of their own and create all these emotional experiences from the thoughts when you can be doing other things in your life, moving outside of that, uh, focusing on other areas of life and connection, for example, is a huge one, starting to connect with other people as opposed to focusing on the eating disorder thoughts and behaviors. And I know this sounds very simplistic, so I'm not saying this is just like, do that and you're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to recognize that those eating disorder thoughts are things that are are consuming your energy, your time, because this whole metaphor is around time. All of these things are where we put our time. And you can put your time somewhere else. You really do have that ability to invest your time in other things. 
you're not, you know, you, you're, uh, you own your, your time investment wallet. You, you really do get to determine where, where you invest it. Yeah. You can take that power back on how you're going to spend the time and how much of that time the eating disorder takes up. You can't, it may not feel like you have the power, but you can, you can find that again. You can take it back. I always find it's helpful for a practice to really like work that idea in is to do a time inventory. So I generally do about a time inventory, maybe like once a year or the minimum, but sometimes more often. And when I do a time inventory, it really does help me see how much time am I investing in this behavior, in this pattern. And when you can really lay it out there and actually see that often these times are taking up not only just hours of your life, but literally like weeks and weeks of your, or hours of your year, like weeks of your year, months of your year. When you actually look at how, you know, 15 minutes is 1% of your day. If you look at like how much thought energy and mental energy and physical energy and emotional energy goes into this, this thing that we're talking about, uh, you can actually see like empirically, like you can see a number as in I spend this amount of time with this. Like I did this with uh, hair removal. I spend 40 hours a year on hair removal. Okay. That is a vacation. People spend <laughs> 40 hours a week working and then they take a week of vacation. So I spend a whole week, you know, focusing on hair removal. That's a, that's a lot of time, right? That's nothing I think even compared to an eating disorder. So if you actually yeah. look at how much time your eating disorder takes, you're taking vacations and vacations and vacations and vacations a year on your eating disorder. And to just start to own that, see it, then claim your power back and be like, actually, I would prefer to take a vacation doing some self-care, picking up Hungry for Love when Jessica writes that book and <laughs> learning about Charlie, the chronically depressed vampire. That's more exciting than an eating disorder thought. Um, Easily. <laughs> and so like, find, yeah, you know, finding these things that are going to be more meaningful in your life, going out, having an experience with, with people. Uh, you know, Andrea, you love to go to concerts. Like that is an investment of your time and energy and is memorable at the end of yeah. the year. It's something that you like look back upon and, and have fond memories of. Yeah. And it's definitely not something I regret spending my way. No regrets. I'm so glad I spent my time that way and not focused on eating disorder thoughts. Yeah. So we're not trying to, you know, shame you if you have eating disorder thoughts, but just kind of awaken you to yeah. the idea that they are the the sand in your life, even though you may feel like that's the the biggest thing and it's the rock. It's not. There's these other things that make you so much more uh, exciting and just make you you that you want to focus on in this life. And those are your rocks and those really tie into your values, uh, which we'll, we'll likely be exploring more in, in the months to come on this podcast channel. But we're really very value-centric in the work we do because we do believe when you're living your values, you're living your best life. And the pursuit of thinness is, is not a value that will truly bring fulfillment. Uh, there's so many other values that you can connect with that are inherent to you that will give you so much energy and fulfillment and joy and satisfaction. Yeah. So Andrew, do you have any closing words, closing thoughts? You do? Yeah. Well, I just want to clarify, like, um, yeah, my intention is not to shame anyone either. It's more um, my intention with that comment is like to 
I guess inspire hope because I used to, if I did a time inventory, I would like years ago with an eating disorder, it's probably like 70% of my waking hours worried about food, body, Mm -hmm. focused on behaviors. And I just want to inspire hope that like I've been there and I know how all encompassing and how horrible it is. And I, I just want everyone to know like it, it's there's better you can be free from this you can focus on time on stuff where you have no regrets and you're like hell yeah that was a good way to spend my time you can rearrange your your jenga tower to to be focused on things that are more fulfilling for you like you have that power and there is a better way there is a way out and i have lived both sides and i i know it's hard it's not easy i'm not saying it is um but it's possible and it's worth it. <laughs> so I just want to inspire hope. Mm. That's my my goal here. I love that. That was very hopeful. And I agree with every word you said. So we'll close on that. And Jenga. Do you remember that? Jenga. The commercial. <laughs> Are you like, supposed Jenga. to say Jenga? Oh, right? I, re- Isn't I, it? I, remember, I, just, I'm, I'm, I just remember like in the 90s seeing a commercial and they'd be like, Jenga. <laughs> and I was like, or maybe not. I don't know. We should link that up in YouTube. <laughs> we're on YouTube now because we're going live. Let's yes. just talk about YouTube every time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome, Andrew. Well, I so appreciate uh, your perspectives on this and for us being able to have this conversation and for all you listeners to tune in and think more about what you're committed to in this year ahead and how you can leave everything on the floor in 2024 if that's what your heart desires and what that would be for you to really open up to and allow yourself to have, be, or do. And if you want support to cultivate the courage to face your own fears in recovery, head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com to get on the waitlist for The Courage Club. The Courage Club is a personalized support system and a supportive community to uplift you every step of the way. Picture yourself surrounded by a community of resilient warriors who genuinely care about your progress and will celebrate every victory, no matter how small, and are walking on a similar path to full eating disorder recovery. Inside, we are tackling struggles with food, body image concerns, and negative thought patterns. Head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com and embrace the journey towards a healthier and happier you. Thank you for tuning in today. And remember that fear doesn't have to hold you back. You can live with greater courage and take back your precious power.